Energy Transition, episode 29. The topic today is Energy Plan in Europe. Hello, Irina Slav and David Blackman. Hello. Hello. Good morning and afternoon. Good morning and afternoon. Please let me um, share a comment from uh, Doug Carey. Can, can you see the screen? Sharon yes. Screen? yes. Okay. So he's gently, he, he said that um, a topic that he would like to see is the European oil and gas capability versus their will to take advantage of them. And uh, it's a very provocative uh, issue, and uh, I like it. <laughs> and the, the point, Irina, please, if you um, allow me to ask you, do you see political potential to reach a realistic energy plan in Europe? Uh, the short answer is no. <laughs> Not after all the net zero commitments and pledges and investments and uh, legislation. Uh, if suddenly European governments uh, decide to be reasonable and rational about energy security, it will be a 180 degree turn, which I don't think they would risk after for years telling people we should go greener and greener and greener and we shouldn't uh, develop our oil and gas uh, uh, resources, or in the case of the UK, uh, we should uh, reduce production and build more wind farms. So uh, I, I don't think there's a political will. And the, um, uh, the recent uh, speech by uh, French President uh, Emmanuel Macron was uh, really uh, a clear signal that they're not going to do it. He said this is the end of abundance, the transition. He did not prioritize energy security. He prioritized the transition. And this tells you everything you need to know about, uh, you know, the, uh, the dominant mood and the dominant opinion in Europe right now, sadly. But uh, that's where we're at. So, David, is a, is a, a dilemma between uh, security and transition? Yeah, uh, and and as we see in the United States, we see the same thing in Europe. Uh, the policymakers who are the ruling class right now uh, continue to double down on no abundance, hardship, deprivation, and transition, and and they repeat the same talking points um, in every interview. They uh, continue down the same path uh, that's created the looming disaster, frankly, uh, in, in Europe, much of Europe, that we're going to see this winter. And the same people now, I understand uh, Ursula von der Leyen uh, is making a speech today. Uh, it's probably still ongoing in which she now promises that the EU whose policymakers played a big role in creating this energy crisis in the first place, is now planning to intervene in the energy markets to fix it. Um, so so oh, how is she going to fix it? Well, she's, I, I will guarantee you what she's going to do is to double, triple, quadruple down on exactly the same policies that created the energy crisis in the first place, 
under the pretense that building more windmills and more solar arrays can somehow create uh, some level of energy security on the European continent. And I mean, if we don't understand by now that that's not going to happen, not going to be the case, then, um, you know, uh, shame on us. I, I don't know how many times we let the same ruling class fool us before we begin to change the ruling class. Uh, obtain um, the Nord Stream 2 licensing uh, could be the solution for the, the, all the process. I mean, Russia start compressing gas again to Europe. I don't know that if they have enough to buy this. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, but uh, they are not going restart. Uh, going to restart the Nord Stream. Start, not restart. They're not going to start Nord Stream two because it's the same as you know allowing uh, fracking in Germany or Poland. It would amount to admitting they were wrong, and they are so wrong, and they have been. By they, I mean politicians and, uh, you know, EU officials. They have been so wrong for so long that admitting that you've been so wrong for so long right now would amount to political suicide. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and so I just don't, unfortunately, I think it's very unfortunate. And I, I, you know, again, I feel guilty whenever I laugh about this because it is so absurd. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. The whole situation is so absurd and it is laughable. And um, but I, I just I, I, I'm so concerned about uh, the potential for some real humanitarian crisis, not just in Europe. Uh, but, you know, uh, this this crisis is having ramifications in China and and other parts of Asia and Africa now. And, um, you, you know, it's creating a, a fertilizer shortage, which is going to create a food shortage, which is going to create starvation in developing nations. And, and it's all goes back to these energy policy choices that uh, these exact officials, Macron, you know, has been around for quite a while now. He's, he's mm -hmm. one who has made these decisions. You can give Olaf Schultz in Germany uh, some, you know, some pardon on this because the, the real decisions were made by Angela Merkel and preceding yeah, but he continues them. But he continues you know, them. That's right. Them. Yes. And so it's this fealty to the narrative that ensures that Irina is right, that they won't change course because it, it, that conflicts with the narrative and the narrative is the thing and it's going to continue to be the thing until um, they're, they're either forced from office or they resort to some very harsh measures to remain in office. And that's, you know, uh, another potential tragedy that we could be looking at down the road. David, the other side uh, for natural gas, for instance, in the United States, one of the major uh, exporters nowadays is a robust system, a winning system. Well, yeah, it is very robust, and and you know, it um, the potential <laughs> for U.S. exports of LNG is pretty phenomenal, really, when you look at the extent of the resource here. But of course, we 
just as in Europe, we have a government now that is working very diligently to prevent expansion of the resource, uh, of the tapping of the resource in the United States by refusing to, to permit the expansion of infrastructure. And that includes LNG export facilities, uh, loading terminals, and pipelines, the midstream part of the of the industry, and to the extent they can, they try to limit the upstream, but their their power to do that is mainly on federal lands and in the Gulf of Mexico. And um, so they're refusing, they continue to refuse to, to hold lease sales, even though they give it lip service from time to time. But, um, but yes, it's a very robust system and, and it has tremendous potential to be helpful around the world. Irina, do you see from Europe that um, this LNG from the United States is a stable supply? So is it a reliable supply for, for a long time? Well, it's reliable uh, in as much as uh, the U.S. is a friendly country. Uh, bilateral relations are strong and uh, good. But uh, there is the little matter of capacity, which David has mentioned on more than one occasion. There is not enough LNG to feed the whole of Europe. Um, uh, there are not enough LNG tankers to carry it. And there are not enough LNG import terminals to accept it. So uh, it is reliable politically and uh, right now it's uh, economically feasible because normally pipeline gas will always trump LNG on cost. But uh, right now with pipeline gas where it is in terms of prices in Europe, LNG is, uh, well, it, it's really the only option. Uh, but I wanted to... to uh, you know, go back to a point David made, uh, saying he felt guilty about laughing about it. We laugh about Europe uh, because Europe is suffering the consequences of uh, really disastrous decision making. What uh, I don't think any of us would laugh about is what's happening in Pakistan, for example, or in uh, right. Sri Lanka. Uh, we're talking about really massive blackouts. Uh, not just, uh, you know, rolling blackouts for an hour or two a day. And these are the people who are paying the price for Europe's uh, insufficient energy security because Europe is wealthy enough to afford all the LNG it can buy from the US. For now, at least, I mean, money tends to run out unless you generate <laughs> more of it by producing something. Right. And while uh, Europe is uh, running itself into the ground, this really has nothing to do with developing uh, nations in Asia or Africa. And yet they are the ones who are paying the price for Europe running itself into the ground and taking all these nations with it, which is a really tra tragic thing. It's nothing to, to, to laugh about. And that's why we don't laugh about it. David, do you believe that um, the gas from Nor uh, Norway and from North Africa is something uh, significant for the Europe uh, supply consumption? Um, it, it could be. Uh, but again, you have uh, in Norway, a government that is uh, scaling back on, on its own willingness to develop those uh, fossil fuel resources. And as we saw, uh, Reuters ran a story this weekend with a photograph of a what had been a beautiful, pristine, 
plateau, an island uh, out there uh, in the ocean offshore Norway that is now covered up in giant windmills uh, where if you had attempted to put a drilling rig on it, a single drilling rig, you would have had uh, an outrage uh, from the environmentalist community, but uh, they look at a, a dozen or two dozen windmills and think that's just beautiful. Uh, you know, and it, it produces a pinprick of, of the energy that Norway could produce. And so Norway scaling back. North Africa is a different story. They want to produce their resources, but uh, their societies are, are constantly engaged in civil wars and social upheavals, and that that uh, ends up uh, interrupting, disrupting the ability to produce and export those resources. So, you know, uh, Europe is in quite a conundrum because um, they do have, there are energy resources in Europe um, that have been very much neglected. They're not enormous resources by any means, but uh, they could play a role in alleviating some of the problem down the road. But but you continue this continued fealty to this narrative that you're going to resolve it all with windmills and solar panels is going to prevent that from, from happening anytime soon. So uh, they'll continue to cast about for other sources of, of imported energy, and you'll continue to see $1,000 per megawatt hour uh, electricity prices in, in Germany now and $500 per megawatt hour in England now compared to $14 and $16 prices here in the United States. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, the, the governments are going to have to ultimately, there's going to be a limit to how much of that the people in those societies are going to be willing to bear um, before there is a tremendous amount of social upheaval. And, um, you know, uh, what happens then is anyone's guess, but it, it could get very dicey. And let's not forget that now they're attacking Norway for asking market prices for its <laughs> right, gas. Right. And for uh, thinking about limiting electricity exports so there's enough electricity <laughs> for its own population. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's very wise right now you know but they're doing it you know Finland and Denmark are complaining about plans by the Norwegian government to curb exports of electricity <laughs> and uh, yes and in the Financial Times uh, David Shepard reported recently that some in the industry in the oil and gas industry in Europe are suggesting you know privately that maybe Europe should ask uh, Norway to uh, lower uh, the price at which it sells its gas to Europe you know, help out friends, you know, stop making billions in uh, gas revenues. Right. Or better yet, why not uh, give it out for free because, you know, solidarity and unity and all that. It's getting ridiculous. But these are the kinds of things that happen as, as gov these governments understand they are going into a major crisis in which they're going to have to deal with it's a desperate. tremendous amount yeah, it's really desperate, of social yeah. unrest. Yeah, so that's the kind the of unreasonable kinds of, of requests you see start to happen as the crisis comes nearer and nearer. And, yeah. 
and there's no apparent solution to it uh, in any way. That's the point. That's the point. So the conclusion yeah. is that there is no solution in short term for Europe. No. 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 And in the longer term, they're either going to have to surrender on this this fealty to this narrative, in part, or the ruling class will fall in these countries yeah. and. And then we'll just have to see what it's replaced with, which you know may not necessarily be any better. It it could always get worse. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, it's not so sad to say the night conversation, but um, at the same time, the sad conclusion. We yeah. can only deal with the truth as it's presented to us. Yeah, as depressing as it can be. Thank you so much for this nice conversation this Monday. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, and, and try to have a nice week. <laughs> <laughs> After this doom and gloom. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Starting start. Monday with so sad yeah. starting. Yeah. Bye-bye. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. See Bye. you. Bye. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.